Welcome to Christian Life Church Podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. We've been on this journey over the last two weeks, and hasn't Pastor Rebecca done exceptionally well? In fact, she's done so well, I wanted her to do the whole month, but she's, she didn't want to do that, so I'm afraid you're left with me for the last two weeks of the month. Is that okay? That was a good place to say amen or something. Miserable, miserable people. And... Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, perhaps you, you, you do think like this, but you know, every subject that we seek to open up as a, as a dialogue and conversation is, is purposefully and prayerfully um, put into the program. So one of the, the main reasons for that is that if you, if you don't go somewhere, then you'll end up nowhere. And um, for us, we, we seek God, we're trying to understand what God is inviting us to, and, and this whole conversation about living beyond ourselves, I just want to tell you, it's major. It's really important. And it's important for all kinds of reasons, but let me highlight the main reason. You and I have a severe case of me syndrome. We have somehow been so infected by the mindsets and the culture around us that we genuinely think that if we place ourselves at the center of our lives, we will have blessing and freedom. And I want to tell you, with great respect to that, you couldn't be further from the truth. Let me tell you where I get that bold statement from. It says, the Son of God did not come to be served, but he came to serve. If you're asking God, make me more like Jesus, I want to warn you that the avenue or the vehicle to which that may be expressed is probably not that you'd be standing on a platform preaching or even, you know, all the great things you've been talking about God using us in. Some of those things, well, they'll come and they'll pass. That's the truth. But here's the substantial aspect of the nature of God being fashioned in us is when we become His servants. When we allow him to work his work in our lives, yes, but also through our lives. Me syndrome is everywhere. My feelings. Some of you have left jobs because your feelings were hurt. And someone told you that your feelings were so important, you should be unemployed to make a statement about it. You laugh, but that is a true testimony of someone I spoke to recently. What I want, what I need, what I feel. Sound familiar? People don't treat me right. Well, welcome to the real world. Because people don't treat anybody particularly right. And if that's your way of excusing yourself from engagement, I want to remind you that Jesus was not treated well. And from my perspective, I don't know how bad your week has been, but it didn't end up on Friday with crucifixion. But this is what the Bible says about Jesus, who was treated harshly for doing the right thing, for doing the God thing. It said that he set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. You see, if I let other people determine my destiny because they have interrupted my dignity 
or they have failed to understand my value or worth? Who is the fool in that transaction? Me. I think we made a huge mistake. And I say this with caution because it's going to create problems for me. When I had a child, and she's no longer a child, she's 24 now, and not married <laughs> yet, but we celebrated everything. Do you remember the first successful visit to the potty? I mean, you would have thought she'd won a marathon or climbed Mount Everest. And we, we danced around the bathroom. I think it was probably the kitchen <laughs> because it was convenient. And we started to celebrate with Emily her success story. And I think as I look across her life, maybe, maybe some of the older people here can remember I don't ever recall my mother celebrating the fact that I could remove excrement from my body. I don't think it got me a gold star. I don't think it got me an extra jam roll on a Sunday. I think she just presumed it would happen and was grateful that it now somehow happened in all the right places. But we've done that to our children. We've called them prince and princess. And we've celebrated every little movement or every little achievement in their lives to the point that when they go to work and their boss doesn't celebrate them for turning up <laughs> and they're gutted and devastated by that truth, they're out of there. <laughs> I don't want to work anywhere where I'm not valued are considered significant. We did that to you. We didn't think that you would ever truly believe you were a prince or a princess. And the problem with that is not when you have one of your own in your own home, it's when princess meets princess or princess meets prince and both parties are so caught up with their own sense of what they want and what they don't want and what they should have and what they... It just creates all kinds of problems. You know, some people can't be loyal in a relationship because they want what they want. Well, you know, pastor, I've got needs. Well, here's a wild thought. Subject them to Jesus and pray that the blood of Christ would set you free from the compulses that are driving your life. Well, you know, she was good looking, but she weren't all that. And I went out and I saw somebody that was a bit hotter. And so I have needs, Pastor. I just have needs. Well, if you liked it, you should have put a ring on it. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Some people say, and I've heard this said many times, I can't really be committed to anything. I've got a life to lead. Well, I wonder how you'll do with that if you can't be committed to anything. That's going to create some problems for you. Pastor, I can't join the worship team. Even though God's blessed me with a voice, I'm busy on a Thursday. I'm having my extensions done. This was a male, by the way. This was a male. 
having my extensions done on Thursday evening. And you know, I need to take care of myself. Perhaps you could move the worship team to a Tuesday night. I'm not busy on a Tuesday night. Yes, all 35 people <laughs> that can make Thursdays will now be moved to a Tuesday because you're having your extensions done on a Thursday. Really? Okay. We've got to the point in society where words like sacrifice and service, they seem to have been somehow replaced. And let me tell you where I think this problem first emerged in the church. Not only are we dealing with um, a culture around us, but we're dealing with a culture within us. You see, when I first became a Christian, words like sacrifice and service, they just were consistent in the church in which I was part of. If you love Jesus, you are his servant. If you love Jesus, you will sacrifice certain things to make sure that you give of your best to the God who gave of his best to you. But that whole concept of living beyond myself or living for the benefit of a God who has given himself to me actually seems to be an alien concept to so many people. And here's why, because in 94 and 95, a move of the Holy Spirit took place that actually affected the world. And we moved in our hearts from being servants who made sacrifices to the posture of being sons. The message of the Father heart came to the church. And of course, for many of us, being a servant had become a way of life. And so consequently, to embody the reality that we are now sons or daughters of the Most High God was a massive headband for many people in the church. And many struggled because they had had a work ethic and, and an, a mindset about service. But we have come full circle. And now everybody, I mean, the most favorite scripture most people have is we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, set apart for the purposes of God. We have fully embraced sonship. But I think what we've done alongside that is embraced entitlement. Now, let me be honest with you. In my house where I grew up, my mother had a saying. And that saying kept everything where it needed to be. She said, there are no passengers in this house. In other words, there's no free ride. If you belong to this family, there are certain things that will be required of you. Do you remember that? Do you remember those heady days when your parents told you the truth? Do you remember that? Okay. My mother didn't wake up in the morning and tell me how fabulous I was. Surely you are a gift from heaven. She said, get into the kitchen and wash up those dishes. You left them out last night. On you go. Because there's no passengers in this house. Was I a son? Absolutely. But that did not entitle me to sit on a sofa and watch my mother do everything for me. To be a son in my house meant you contributed. You invested. 
You put the vins out. You washed the dishes. You tidied up. You got the hoover out. Do any of the young men know what a hoover is? You got the hoover out. Do you remember hoovers? <laughs> Do you remember them? They pick up dirt that you left behind. That's why we need them. So sonship has now moved away from this great notion that we are adopted into the family of God. And we need to always start our interactions with God as sons and daughters, not as servants. But if you are a son or you are a daughter, you are also a servant of the Most High God. You cannot be a son without being a servant. You see, we think sonship entitles us to inheritance. Sonship entitles you to intimacy. It entitles you to a, a revelation of the heart of God for you. And you're meant to live in that place. But it does not entitle you to not lift a finger or do a thing and somehow think you're going to gain everything. It's gone quiet. Somehow the great I am has turned into me, my needs, my wants. And while all of this is true, God calls us and has exemplified to us that we are invited to live beyond ourselves. And can I just say about that, if you don't manage to do that, you will not live the abundant life that Jesus Christ promised you. Because beyond you, there's a whole world out there that God wants to show you some incredible things in. So let me take you to a scripture very quickly. I'll highlight a couple of things for you. We may not get through all of it, but it comes from the book of Nehemiah chapter 2. And we're going to read from verses 1 to 10. Maybe we can put this up on the screen for folks who don't have the Bibles with them. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Xerxes, when wine was brought to him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart, said the king. Nehemiah, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, My king, live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, Nehemiah, what do you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I may rebuild it. Then the king and the queen sitting beside him asked me, How long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Verse 7, I also said to him, I think Nehemiah's chance in his arm here, he's pushing the envelope. If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter for Ashaf, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. 
So I went to the governors of the Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sambalat and the Horonite and Tobiah, the Ammonite officials, heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of Israel. Go back with you, please, to verse 1. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Xerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine to the king. Let me just highlight for you something that probably goes a little unnoticed in our reading of the scripture. Nehemiah was already used to living beyond himself. His job was to taste the wine for the king. Now, let me explain the purposes behind that role. In this particular time in history, if you wanted to annihilate or destroy another ruler, often you would poison them via an avenue where some servant was indeed seeking to take care of them. So imagine with me, would you please, how Nehemiah started each day. He got up, he washed himself, and he went to work. And his job could possibly end with him dying. Because if he was tasting the wine that was meant for the king, he could indeed have tasted something that was intended to kill the king. So you see, hidden in plain sight for us is the caliber of this man. Now, Nehemiah was an exile. He's probably second generation because the Jews had been taken into captivity by the Babylonians and eventually by the Persians. And here we have Nehemiah taking care of a Persian king. A Persian king, by the way, who had killed his brother to ensure that he could secure this throne. So he's not in a place that he should be, but he's in a place that God has afforded him to be. And the whole posture of his heart is to get up every day and live beyond himself to take a risk to explore what it looks like for him to serve at that kind of level. You see, wherever you're working, you did not get that job because somebody employed you. Whatever you're doing in that job, whatever favor you have, whatever position has been afforded to you, you are simply there to live beyond yourself. This isn't about your career this is about the extension of the kingdom of God. And if God chooses to bless your career, then that's favor and that's good and we celebrate that. But actually, in every environment where anybody who belongs to Jesus is, we are always there in many ways to live beyond ourselves and to seek to ensure that what we're doing is for the benefit of the greater good of something other than ourselves. I have people come to me all the time and they say, you know, pastor, I'm an intercessor. And I ask them quite plainly, when did you last intercede for something that wasn't about you? Oh, pastor, I'm, you know, I believe that God has called me to be part of this or that or the other. I said, when was the last time that invitation became apparent to you that it wasn't just about your life? It wasn't just about your family. It wasn't just about your blessings. It wasn't just about you. It was about what God wanted to do through you where other people would benefit. Now, remember I said me syndrome? When you're preoccupied with me, myself, and I, you will never fully understand that you have given your life to Jesus, and he wants you to live for something way more than you. He wants to use your life to extend his kingdom beyond the boundaries that you present to him, 
Because when you start to live with that kind of orientation, you start to see the blessings that God has placed around you. None of us will see the more of God when we're preoccupied with us. If my whole raison d'etre for living is to make sure that all my needs are met and all my sensitivities are taken care of, I cannot be used of the Holy Spirit because I would have to have a massive shift away from me, myself, and I to say, God, who is here that you may want to bless today? Nehemiah, in a very ordinary way, was doing something extraordinary. And for us, living in this generation, I want to suggest to you that that's the kind of scattered servants, that's the kind of sons and daughters that God wants to raise from this house. People who are living for something bigger or something greater than their own personal needs. Can somebody say amen Amen. to that? Nehemiah is, in many ways, a surprise to us because he's an unlikely character for God to do such a great thing through. But I want to say to you that your history will always point you to your destiny. You see, church, we are so attracted because we're living in this cerebral universe where we're at the center of it. We want to be discovered, (laughs) We want somebody to recognize our greatness. We want somebody to exalt us to high places of influence. But in the ordinary of life, in the history of your life, God has been changing and transforming and equipping you for the destiny that he has for you. God could trust Nehemiah to go every day and live beyond himself. So who would God choose to do the most incredible exploit for him, not somebody who was preoccupied with me, myself, and I, but somebody who lived beyond themselves seeking how they could be a blessing or of benefit to somebody else. You know, in the ordinary, extraordinary things happen in our hearts. And while you may not like where you're working or even like the people you have to work for or don't feel that you're being treated well, I'm telling you, God is at work in you As you look back, you will see this. He's preparing in your history what he is pointing towards as your destiny. Come on, church. So when my mother made me clean the house, she made us all clean the house, did I thank her? Thank you, Mom, for the privilege of picking up other people's rubbish. What a joy. No, I didn't. But my mother taught me from a very early age that if you do something for other people, something happens in you. And that something that happens in you means that you are not just looking out for your own interests. You're starting to care about the interests of those around you. Who wants to do something great for God? Who wants to accomplish something great for God? Do you know where you're being trained to do that? In your workplace. In your home life. Here's a wild thought. Stop bucking against it. Stop protesting against it. And start to see that the hand of God is training you for the destiny that God wants to open up for you. If you cannot be trusted in the little things, you will not be entrusted with the great things. Greatness in the kingdom of heaven always happens in private places. And what God establishes in you 
the kind of nature and character and resolution of the heart that means that I'm here for the benefit of others, then you will start to see that God works it through you. When I first came to church, I didn't know anything about anything. Some would say nothing much has changed. But I knew how to hoover. Thanks to Liz. I knew how to clean. And so I volunteered to help tidy the church at the end of the services. Now I'm going to say some things that are a bit hard, so bear with me. Some of you are so consumer-minded, you think the chairs put themselves out. Some of you think someone comes in on a Saturday night with a magic wand and makes everything neat and tidy. Some of you think the food that we serve at the events that we put on somehow is delivered by men on motorbikes. And not only is it delivered, it's cleared up, packed away, and everything is put back. Come on, you, if you're not careful, are missing an opportunity for God to use you gloriously. He who is faithful in the little things. I've watched Pastor Becker struggle to carry large tables while there are men sitting in corners talking about football. Oh, sorry, should I not have said that? <laughs> Gentlemen, let me talk to you. If it wasn't for the women in this church, this place would have shut down a long time ago. And that's not an unusual reality. That happens in most churches I've been a pastor in, apart from one. Because somehow, in our thinking, we haven't understood that the destiny we keep crying out to God to open is attached to a moment when I get to put the chairs away or indeed carry a table to a cupboard. He who is faithful in the little things will be entrusted with much. Now, this sermon isn't what you want to hear, but you know, it might be what we need to hear. And we need to hear it because there's so much that God has for you. So many great adventures he wants to take you on. So whether it's your workplace or it's this place, in fact, any place, why don't you adopt a different headspace and say to God, what would you like me to do to serve you in this environment? Jane said to me a couple of weeks ago, wouldn't it be good if we got a whole bunch of people out onto the streets to clear up litter. No one's going to thank you for it. Do you know what I think is quite sad? Is the neighborhood watch of beaters to it. They clear up our litter. Why? I am absolutely convinced that you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. But in the house of the Lord, in the economy of God, that does not entitle you to the privileges of no activity whatsoever. It entitles you to partake of the mission that's been set out before us to see the kingdom of God expressed to our community. You are not on a Boeing 747 where 15 people are serving you lunch. And so you get to complain 
if you ordered the chicken and you got the meat instead. No, you don't. This, you and I are part of the same family, and you and I have been called by God to service. And if I can't think like that, I'm going to really struggle to embrace the fullness of the destiny that God has for me. He was doing a normal job, but he was doing something extraordinary in the way he did this. Oh, okay. Let me ask you, because I'm going to finish. That's my first point, and there's 20. <laughs> Let me ask you, what are you currently doing that's beyond you? Have a little think. What are you investing in that there's no return for you? What are you giving your life to where you're not going to get rewarded for it, this side of heaven? It's a great question, Pastor. Thank you for asking it. Tides will be down next week. Because truth hurts sometimes. But if I'm not living for something more than me, by default I'm living for me. And if I'm living for me, am I truly living for him? And if the Son of God came to serve and not be served, and I keep saying, God, I want you to make me like you, then aren't I being a little naive that what that really means is that I too would become a servant? Where are you living beyond yourself? Is it in your family? I hope so. Is it in your community? Please, God, let it be so. Your destiny is hindered by an inability to see. And that which needs to be seen, that in the economy of God, small opportunities to express service prepare us for the great adventure that God sets before us. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, Jesus said this, become the servant of others. If you want to be used of God like Chobi, and he stands here and he tells his stories, but that has been an expensive journey, a very expensive journey. Pastor Becca stands here and tells her stories, but that's an expensive journey. It's expensive to serve God. What are you doing beyond you? And if you can't identify something, then ask the Holy Spirit to give you something because you are at your best when you're not living for yourself. You are at your most available to God when you are not living for yourself. You are completely and utterly in the right space at the right time for the Spirit of God to move in power through your life when you are not living for yourself. And so the trinity of me, myself, and I must die. It really must die. All it takes is a little humility to say, God, maybe I haven't thought beyond myself, but today I'm going to try and ask you to show me where I can invest beyond me. I think I learned this lesson 
very quickly into my journey, and um, I thank God for those who discipled me in the ways of Christ. I was singing on the Wogan show. Do you remember Terry Wogan when he was alive? On the Friday night, and uh, I had hair and makeup and more makeup and more hair than you could shake a stick at. It was the 80s. If you didn't have hair, you had to move sideways through to get into a door. You weren't, you weren't doing hair. I had expensive clothes. I had all of that stuff. But I remember Amrick saying to me prior to this television show, you know, um, why, why don't you come out with me on Saturday? And, and, and the church I was attending was Hockley Pentecostal Church. And coming out on Saturday was going onto Soho Road. And has anybody ever been to Soho Road? It was, has always been a very busy road. And you can imagine, couldn't you, this, this kind of over-exaggerated hair, this underdeveloped character, and a guitar and three chords. And I'm standing on the street corner, and Amrick, who was my life group leader, said, sing. Okay. Bind us together, Lord. I didn't know what to sing. I have a clue. What do you sing on the streets of Soho? And two Rastafarian men came past, and they dropped what was just brown copper pennies into the open guitar case, and one of them said to me, whatever you do, don't give up your day job. <laughs> Amrit would make us go out in the week and knock on the doors and the houses of people who he'd come across somehow on the streets where there's leaflet dropping and talking. And we'd go to these people's houses at like nine o'clock at night. He had no fear, no hesitation. And, and you know, at first I was stupid. I thought he was going to talk. How stupid was I? So I would drive him in the car because he didn't drive. And we'd get there and we'd go up this kind of high rise flat and he'd knock the door. It's like half eight, quarter to nine at night. Most people who've got any sense are in bed. And if not, they're planning to be in bed. And he'd knock the door and I thought, oh, let's see what the evangelist does. And then he went like this. So I'm standing outside this door. You cannot see past the smoke that's coming from the chip fryer in the kitchen. Talk about the Shekinah glory of God. And this lady emerges who is really unhappy. And Amrick looks at me and he says, Simon's going to tell you about Jesus. Did it feel good? Did I feel prepared? Was it where I wanted to be? I wanted to be on the Wogan show in a dressing room with lights and somebody making me up and making me look even more incredible than I truly was. I wanted to be hailed as the new best thing on the music scene. Did I want to be in a high-rise flat on a Thursday night with a woman who clearly didn't want us to be there? Absolutely not. But you see, the call on our life is not to do what's comfortable or what's easy or what's convenient. The call in our life is to be available as a servant and a son to the Most High God. And no matter where I am or what day of the week I'm on it, that is what I truly am. What I did for a career was sing. What I did for my reality and my destiny was belong to Him. And when I belong to Him, it don't matter what day of the week it is. It doesn't matter whether it's late or it's early. It doesn't matter who the person is. It doesn't matter what the task is. I'm simply saying, Jesus, here I am. Use and send me.
And I guarantee you, I guarantee you this, that if this week you say to the Lord, use me beyond me, beyond what I gain, beyond what I get, you will see that there is a kingdom that's alive and well and full of power where God is going to teach you how to walk in the Spirit and it'll be with the most unlikely people in the most unlikely places. Keith Green wrote this song many years ago. He said, Lord, it's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. And part of the reason we're not affecting our world or even being used of God in our workplace or our education place is because we are preoccupied with our feelings and our needs and our wants. And you know people leave churches because pastors speak truth. Because we want to be told how wonderful we are. How fabulous, how grateful God must be that you belong to him. The, the opposite is true. How grateful must we be that God chose to make himself available to us. This week I encourage you, be a son, be a daughter of the Most High God. But turn up in your world as a servant and say, God, what would you like me to say? What would you like me to do? The adventure is only beginning. And no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it even entered any of our hearts yet, what God has prepared for those who love us. This week, Sue, by accident, or was it more like incident, stumbled into a moment where she served God. And she could have said a whole bunch of things like, I'm busy, or I've got this, or that, the other. She could have felt awkward, and she probably did feel awkward. And I know every time that God uses me to talk to someone about Jesus, I always feel awkward because I'm sensitive and I can feel that people are not comfortable with some things. But the reality is, when you're a servant, your feelings are not the most important thing in the room. When you're a servant, you're there to do what the master instructs you to do. And you see, here's the problem for all of us. Nobody minds the idea of being a servant, but none of us like to be treated like one. So this week, what will you do to live beyond you? It's a great question, Pastor. Thank you for asking. Stand with me, please. Well, the good news is I've got a sermon for next week because I didn't get to preach it today. The bad news is, that was just the opening statement. <laughs> Lord Jesus, you who exemplify everything that's perfect and right, have come into our world and submitted yourself in becoming the servant of mankind. The Father sent you, but we are grateful that you came, Jesus. And you didn't come into this world so people would bow down before you or indeed tell you all the great things they love about you, came into this world to show us what it truly looks like to reflect God. And we do that when we give of ourselves and give of our time and give of our energy and give of our resources to another human being. In fact, Jesus, you're showing us as a human being what it looks like to be like God in the fact that you are living and indeed dying beyond what was necessary but what was required 
And that was for our benefit, not yours, Jesus. Jesus, I hope this week that when I'm in whatever I'm in, I see the opportunities afforded to me. Lord, help me be keen of eye and lean of heart to say, God, wherever you lead me, I will follow. And God, I pray, no matter who it is, no matter what they're talking about, whether they're interested like Sue's friend or they're not interested and angry like Chobie's new friend that he met in Northfield, it's irrelevant what happens outside. What matters is that I am available, I am accessible for you to use me, Lord. And I pray that I will be the best servant of the Lord this week. I've ever been in my whole life, Jesus. Amen. Now, God bless you, church. Have a wonderful weekend.